Well, an album came out here at WTJU a couple weeks back from our friends at Mountain Fever Records featuring Tammy Rogers and Tom Yutz called Shirley Will Be Singing. And if luck is on my side, Tammy and Tom are out there. You there? We are here. Luck is on your side. Yeah. Yeah. Good morning, Peter. Good morning. Great to have you with me. And we're going to be going through all the tracks on this new album. But for those who might not know the two of you, tell me, why don't we start with you and how you got into music to begin with and where it's taken you? Sure. Um, I am originally from East Tennessee, and my parents were both amateur musicians. Um, So I grew up in a very musical household. Um, But my dad moved us out to Texas when I was about five. So um, it's been about 15 years out there. And um, fortunately, at that time in the um, mid to late 70s, we had orchestra in the school system. So my dad signed me up for strings and that's how I started playing the violin. Um, But him being a self-taught bluegrass musician, he taught me my first fiddle tunes. So I was kind of off and running after about three or four months of playing in the school orchestra. But uh, it was a great way to grow up and, uh, you know, cross paths in my teenage years with a lot of folks that wound up becoming, you know, great, great players in the bluegrass world. Um, Scott Vestal and his brother Curtis were in my dad's band for a long time. Um, Billy Joe Foster, Craig Fletcher, Billy Joe went on to play with Bill Monroe, Um, a very young Richard Bailey who went on to play banjo in the Steel Drivers. I was past mm, part of that band. About 13 or 14. Um, Greg and Brad Davis, Russell Moore. Um, it was just a really unique time, you know, to kind of be a young teenager and going to bluegrass festivals and staying up all night and playing for 20 hours in a row, stuff like that. But, but really, really great um, formative years and a great way to get into the music. Of course, a lot of folks know you best these days. You mentioned the Steel Drivers with your time with that Grammy-winning group, and you're still out there playing on a regular basis. Yeah, I call that my day gig. <laughs> and Tom, how about you? You uh, would not have normally heard this as a child, but how, because you're from Germany, how, how did you first hear this kind of music? Yeah, uh, well, I was born in the Black Forest of Germany and raised by wolves there. And uh, then uh, at an early age, I started listening to a coincidence to American Forces Network radio and Canadian Canadian Forces Network um, and heard country music. I had no idea what they were singing about, but I liked the sound of the music. I liked the sound of the pedal steel guitar. And then I dug into it a little deeper as much as you could in the early 80s without internet and stuff like that and discovered Johnny Cash and got my first Johnny Cash record and then on a whim, I bought a Doc Watson record. I didn't know who he was, but I liked the image on the cover of him and Merle sitting on the steps of this this little country store. And so that was my introduction to Doc. And then from there, I gravitated to, I, I found out that Doc had played on a, a Dan Fogelberg record called High Country Snows. And I got that record. And that's the first time I heard Jerry Douglas and Ricky Skaggs and and Herb Peterson and, and those folks. So it was just a journey backwards. And I was the music always spoke to me on a, on a very deep level and especially in bluegrass music or in acoustic music the fact that you can sit around and play you don't need an 
you don't need a PA or amplification or any artificial, there's, there's no artificial connection between you and your fellow musicians or the audience. And that's what still speaks to me about the music today. And then when I saw, uh, I saw Bobby Bear when I was 11 years old on a, on a TV show in Germany and, and I was hooked. I started playing guitar the next day. I had played the flute and the piano before and was, had like Tammy had a classical background in classical music. But then once, once I started playing guitar, all that went out the window and I took guitar lessons and, and played in rock bands and blues bands, but always had my eye on country music and bluegrass music. And then um, decided that I, I toured with some expatriate uh, folks in Europe, uh, the great Texas songwriter, Richard Dobson and a fellow called Billy Goodman and a black R&B uh, singer called Sidney Selby. And we, I was sort of his, the band leader for his, for those guys' bands. And then I just had the bug to move to Nashville. And, and luckily my wife, wanted to make that move with me and so I moved here um, because I won a green card in the green card lottery and uh, we moved here as fast as we could. I was already in my early 30s so it was was a little you know it was a a risky move at the time to give up a a livelihood in Europe playing music and going to Nashville with no guarantees about anything but it's the scariest thing I ever did and the best thing that I ever did because I had I could never have predicted all the all the good things that have happened to me ever since. And the two of you first met how? We met, um, gosh, I guess it's been about five or six years ago now. Um, Had to have been in 2016, I think, at a music industry dinner. And um, Tom tells the story better than him, so I'm I'm better than me, so I'm going to pass it on to him because he is. Yeah, okay. Well, we, we... We had known of each other. I certainly had known of Tammy. I don't didn't. I don't know if she had heard of me, but we were seated at the same table, and we were both kind of mad because Tammy had just won a Grammy, and she didn't get mentioned at all that night. And I had just made a record with Mac Wiseman that won all kinds of accolades and didn't get mentioned. So we were just both kind of moping a little bit. But after a couple of glasses of wine, we were we had a good conversation and realized that we knew a lot of. Uh, folks especially richard bailey who's a, a, a good friend of both of ours the banjo player and the steel drivers and i i asked tammy hey uh, you want to write sometime and she's like sure and um sometimes people say that in nashville and they go like yeah sure that's never going to happen in the back of their minds but uh we exchanged phone numbers in the ballet line and wednesday the week after we started writing our first song and it was called old railroads um Eric Brace has recorded it with his band Last Train Home, and I recorded it on one of my solo records. And since then, we've written about 140, 150 songs. We still write pretty much every week. Not so much at the moment because we've been so busy promoting this record, but turned into a, a, a friendship that's very, very dear to me artistically and personally. And, and so nothing better than making music with your friends. And do you... Uh, send the songs back and forth or at least during the pandemic maybe or do you actually get together and write them together as you go line by line yeah initially you know we would get together um typically at my house and sit out on my back porch and and write or you know in the house once it started cooling off but um that was kind of the genesis of this record. Um, we very quickly um, kind of moved into the virtual world, if you will, when things really locked down. And even though we were only about 
you know, 20, 30 miles apart, we just kept on riding via Skype and, and Zoom. Um, and, you know, it's, it's not my most favorite way to be creative, certainly, but I think if you're a creative person, you're, you're going to figure out a way to do it regardless. And that's exactly what we did. And um, I think fortunately for us, we had such, by that point, such, you know, three or four years of riding under our belt together that, um, you know, we were definitely able to make it work and to, to very good results. I think we've written some really great songs in the past couple of years without having to be in the same room together. Um, but that's how th this record came about. You know, we were just chatting about, you know, in the early days of being super locked down and, you know, it's always glass half full, glass half empty. And, and I think Tom and I both tend to be, you know, more positive energy people. And it's like, you know, this is a gift. This is a gift of time. And, you know, I've been super busy for the past good grief, almost 30 years here in Nashville and um, have never had the kind of break that I had due to, you know, the COVID lockdown. So um, we chose to look at it as a gift of time rather than, um, you know, a negative, not being able to do something. So we also, you know, discussed that we, the worst thing would have been to look back after, you know, moving through it and realize, wow, we didn't do anything but sit around and eat and drink too much and watch too much TV. So, so I was that's chatting with Jerry Douglas, uh, about a year or so back. And he said, yeah, he looked at the same way. One, yeah. after 50 years of being on the road, he got to be at home, but he had so many projects that he hadn't gotten to that mm -hmm. he finally had that chance. So he had yeah. to look at it in a positive way. That's exactly what we did. And, you know, fortunately, Tom and I both have studios at home and, and we're not unique in that. Um, so many musicians, I'm sure Jerry does too, you know, have the ability to record at home in, in a very professional way with um, great sounds, great microphones. And so that's exactly what happened. You know, we would write a song and Tom would do, you know, lay down some guitars and vocal and send it over to me and I would sing and play whatever I felt was appropriate, you know, fiddle, mandolin or various other string things and send it back. And, and that's kind of how the, the record came to be. So when you first started this project or contemplating it, did you already have some of these 12 songs in mind or did, did you start going through your notebook or however you had them and start sending back and forth lists of what songs you each thought would do well? Well, we, we had some in mind and we had also, we had started a couple of demos that were became the basis of some of the songs on this record. But when we write, we pretty much, um, as we as we write, we know what songs we're going to pitch to other people and which songs are so personal or dear to us that we maybe not hold them back, but we kind of, we're a little more protective of them in terms of pitching them. And and so we had, we, we knew very well or we had a good idea of what we wanted to do. We also knew that we wanted to have half of the record be with a full band and at least half of the record be just very stripped down duo recordings, real old timey kind of sounding stuff. And so that made the selection a little easier too. Well, I've got lots of questions, but we've got a whole album to go through. So let's start with the first track, I Surely Will Be Singing. And how did this one make it kind of as the title for the album? Well, um, 
pretty early on in the lockdown, I think Tom had heard um, an interview with the great soprano Jesse Norman. And um, the quote was something about, you know, as long as she was breathing, she was going to be singing. And, you know, we both, I think, related to that sentiment of regardless of where we are in our lives, whether people are paying us or not, we're going to be playing music, whether we're locked down at home or out on the road or sitting on our front porch. It's just, it's part of who we are. It's part of our DNA. So, so that's kind of how that, that song came about. And, you know, it really felt like to me thematically that it, it was just such a strong positive statement in the face of, we can't get out and tour right now. We can't get out and and present music the way we normally do. But dadgummit, we're going to still do it however, it, however it needs to happen. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Uh, it's a very simple song. It's very, uh, it's upbeat. It's up-tempo. It's a simple message. Uh, it also um, includes one element that became, that I realized, and I think a lot of other people realized it too, that we in the beginning of the pandemic, when there was so much less traffic, all of a sudden, we I had a much more keen awareness of the of the bird song around our place. And we live out in the country, so it's a little different there. But I talked to Eric about it and to Tammy about it, that all of a sudden, you know, we hear the birds singing differently and louder. And, and uh, so uh, that found its way into the song as well. Yeah, I'm sure you saw that study that birds were singing a lot more loudly because they didn't have to compete with man's sounds. I did not see that, but that makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense, yeah. Well, let's give a listen to the first track, I Surely Will Be Singing, from an album titled Surely Will Be Singing with Tammy Rogers and Tom Yutz. Up, I'll find another song that's gonna fill my cup As long as I'm living, the music will be ringing As long as I'm breathing, I surely will be singing Like the bird up in the pine, sitting high up on a limb Whether anybody's listening doesn't mean a thing to him He's gonna lift his voice just for the joy it brings There's a song that's in his heart and it's gonna give it wings Hard times won't keep me down, I'll lift my spirits up I'll find another song that's gonna fill my cup As long as I'm living, the music will be ringing As long as I'm breathing, I surely will be singing Hard times won't keep me down I'll lift my spirit 
hands up, I'll find another song that's gonna fill my cup. As long as I am living, the music will be ringing. As long as I am breathing, I surely will be singing. Up, I'll find another song that's gonna fill my cup As long as I am living, the music will be ringing As long as I am breathing, I surely will be singing As long as I am breathing, I surely will be singing The first track from the new album, Shirley Will Be Singing, out on Mountain Fever from Tammy Rogers and Tom Yutz. And we're going track by track through with it right here on WTJU. And I'm curious, do you come to your weekly meetings with ideas in mind or do you just kind of bounce back and forth and say, oh, you know, something would be great like this? Um, go ahead, Tammy. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, I usually try to have an idea or two up my sleeve just to start a conversation. And, um, if I don't usually Tom does. So, um, but there, there certainly have been times where I just either have been super preoccupied or busy. And, and I always feel like I haven't done my homework when I show up without any ideas, but, um, Again, that that's kind of the blessing of a longstanding, you know, writing partnership that, um, you know, usually if we don't have something specific in a conversation, something usually pops up. So I don't worry about it so much. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, I think you learn to pay attention in the first 10, 15 minutes when you get together with somebody and you just see where the conversation goes. And that typically already tells you a lot about what people want to write about that specific day. Well, the two of you are different than other songwriters I've spoken with, uh, Daryl Scott and Joe Newberry. When they're writing songs, they're usually writing them for themselves, and then others will hear them and then want to record them or put them in their sets as they're out gigging. And you were saying earlier, Tom, that you have songs, the two of you write for others in mind and others that you're more personal, you keep for yourselves. Um, yeah, maybe I, I need to rephrase that a little bit. We we never write a song and go like, okay, that's not good enough for us. Let's let's have somebody else oh, yeah. have that. We, we we always try to write the best song we can. But certain things are just you just go like, man, wouldn't that sound great if Junior Sis would sing that or or Russell Moore or something? And then you try to send it to those folks. Um, but there are other things, especially the more old timey stuff on this record. That who do you want to pitch that to? You know, the people who play this kind of music, maybe somebody like Tim O'Brien would come to mind, are wonderful writers themselves, so they're not necessarily looking for outside material. So that's the kind of stuff that you write, and you really, uh, and we know that that's something that we want to do. Or stuff like Old Railroads, which is, a, Railroads are a theme that that's really dear to me, 
that's something where I immediately know let's 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 hold that. Or Tammy and I recently wrote three songs about the Carter family, one for each, uh, one for AP, one for Mabel, and one for Sarah. And I know that that's something that that I certainly going to put on my next record. So we're going to hold that back a little bit. So you know, it's there's no hard and fast rules. We just go with what with the flow there a little bit. Those just tuning in, we've got Tammy Rogers and Tom Yutz with us, and we're going through each of the tracks on their their new album, Shirley Will Be Singing, and we're coming to the second one, On Your Own. What's the background on this one? Um, I think that's a, a title that, that I had written down. Um, you know, sometimes we write songs that, that are not autobiographical or, or personal. It's just, you know, we both read a lot. Um, so, you know, we might pick up a thought from a book or a, an interesting, you know, plot line that, that we haven't lived. But, but in this case, um, I have a, a daughter that's um, 20. And when we wrote this, this song, I'm pretty sure that, that she was in her latter years of high school, you know, and that whole idea of very soon she was going to be on her own um, was kind of where that thought came from. And, um, you know, the interesting thing though, and, and I tell this when, when we do this live, I thought all along that I was writing it about my daughter, but after the song was finished, you know, sometime later, I realized that, I, that I think I was really kind of writing it to myself, um, about the journey that I had taken. So, um, kind of interesting how songs reveal themselves different ways at different times. Well, let's give it a listen on your own from the new album, Shirley Will Be Singing, out now on Mountain Fever with Tammy Rogers and Tom Yutz. Don't yet know And soon you'll feel the cold wind blow By then you'll be out there on your own But that was back when I still knew it all And pride was not connected to the fall I had to leave the town that I'd outgrown For the glory of the open road Couldn't wait to be out there on on your own, that's when you really learn Looking back, you'll see where you should have turned Cause it's harder now to find your way back home On your own It's harder now to find 
it's harder now to find your way back home on your own. From the new album, Surely We'll Be Singing, that was On Your Own from Tammy Rogers and Tom Yutz. And we're going track by track through this great new album here on WTJU. And Tom, you talked about growing up in Germany and coming over here when you're in your 30s. Did you do much songwriting when you were living in Germany? Yes, I, I, not near as much as I did when I moved here, but I did, yes. My first band that I was in when I was about 13 or 14, you know, we started playing cover songs like like every other band. But then pretty soon it was decided that we needed original songs. And, and I was I uh, in, in Germany, that's kind of type of school that I went to. You start taking English lessons at uh, like 10 years old or something like that. So I was I was pretty good. Uh, I was doing pretty good with, with with that. And so it was natural that I would be the guy writing those. And I'm mercifully, there were no cell phones around at the time so my early efforts are lost uh, to eternity i i hope and uh then once i got a little older i got pretty i got serious about it and then once i started traveling with richard dobson and uh, folks like that in the in my 20s i understood a lot more about why is towns van zandt as great as he is why is guy clark as great as he is why was dave only as great as he is and so richard introduced me to the finer parts of that and then I started writing with Richard and that was certainly a great school and then um, as soon as I got to my first gig in Nashville was playing guitar with David Olney and then with Mary Gaucher and then with Nancy Griffith so I I spent 10 years on stage with people that certainly knew how to write incredibly great songs and I'm not saying that you learn that from those people or that my writing is as good as theirs but you pick up on certain things and you understand that there's differences in the expression and you figure out how you want to express yourself. And so, um, like I said, once I got here, I started writing, um, I seriously got into it and started co-writing a lot and still do, still have on a regular, on a normal week, probably three to four co-writing appointments. But recently, like I said, we've been so busy promoting this record. That's, that's, uh, I've fallen a little behind on that, but, uh, yeah, so, uh, long answer to short question. I started early on, but became serious about, got really serious about it in my late 20s. And how about you, Tammy? When did you first start writing? Oh, probably a very similar timeline. I think I was about 15 and, you know, playing in the family bluegrass band. So my first effort was pretty horrendous, but um, it was called Darling, Two Wrongs Don't Make a Right. Well, that brings the up the advice a- of a 15 year old. <laughs> yep. Well, that brings up a question I like to ask songwriters is, do you ever go back to some of that early stuff and kind of at least start with the seed and then build a whole new song up around it? Um, I, personally, I, I really haven't. Um, you know, and, and maybe if I presented something, you know, to Tom, I, for me, it's kind of hard to, once I've kind of worked on a song and feel like, oh, okay, well, I wrote that it's kind of hard to reimagine it, you know, in that sense. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, I did a little bit of writing, you know, kind of in my college years and, um, I was in a, a bluegrass band in the late eighties called Dusty Miller and we recorded a few of my tunes. 
um, few of my early efforts. So, so they weren't too embarrassing. And I, I can listen back to those and go, yeah, that was, you know, that was pretty good, especially for someone that had, and all those things um, were solo rights. I wasn't co-writing at the time. I had never co-written until I got to Nashville. Um, so I can appreciate the fact that I understood form and rhyme scheme and those types of ideas, um, melody, you know, all that. Um, but, uh, you know, again, very similar to Tom, I don't think until I got to Nashville and really, you know, a lot of people think of Nashville as, you know, big recording center, um, music center, but really the, the thing that makes this town go round is the songwriting. And, you know, if, if you can come here and immerse yourself in all that it has to offer in the songwriting community, um, you, there's a lot to learn and so many opportunities and, and very similar to Tom as a player very early on, you know, I had opportunities to work with some of the greatest songwriters in town, in my opinion, uh, Kieran Kane, Kevin Welch, Mike Henderson, um, you know, and, and that's in the Buddy Miller, Jim Lauderdale, that's only in the Americana world. You know, I was also playing on demos for, you know, some of the greatest commercial songwriters in Nashville history. You know, I got the opportunity to play for Bobby Braddock. I got the opportunity, you know, to play for Tom Douglas. I got the opportunity to play on, you know, and co-write with Dean Dillon and co-write with, you know, Don Cook. So, um, you know, that in and of itself was like going to songwriter school. So, um, you know, if you pay attention and, and certainly, you know, I can remember walking into a songwriting appointment with John Scott Sherrill, who, in my opinion, is, is one of the greatest, you know, to come through. Um, he wrote nothing but the wheel for Patty Loveless by himself. When you've got a guy that can write that by himself, you know, he's a heck of a songwriter. Um, you know, if you pay attention in those situations, you're going to learn something. And you're going to walk out a better writer at the end of it. So um, very, very fortunate that that I kind of had that environment to immerse myself in, both as a player and as a songwriter. For those just tuning in, that's Tammy Rogers chatting with us. We've also got Tom Yutz there. And we're going track by track through their new album, Shirley Will Be Singing. And we're coming to the third track, All Around My Cabin Door. Tell us about that one. Yeah, this one was, um, um, this one was, I, I went through a phase a couple of years ago where I read um, all the seven books that are part of a series called Mountain Series by a North Carolina writer called John Ely. And I was just deeply immersed in that book and in those books and the the, the, the books like, Span the history of Western North Carolina from 1740 till 1940, and uh, it was just a description of early pioneer life in in Western North Carolina that really that really spoke to me, and um, and uh, so some of those images found their way into into this song. It's an old mountain woman musing about you know her existence and if she's going to get to see her children again, and a lot of nature imagery in there, and all that kind of stuff. Tammy, anything you want to share about it, or should we just give it a listen? Let's give it a listen. All right. All Around My Cabin Door from the new album, Surely We'll Be Singing, out now on Mountain Fever 
from Tammy Rogers and Tom Yutz. All around my cabin door, all the fields lie fallow. Can't remember when they felt the plow. Weeds are deep, the fences broke, the creek is running shallow. Nothing I can do about it now. album surely will be singing that was all around my cabin door and listening to that last one reminds me you've got some great folks joining you on this album don't you yeah we got some some of our favorite players on this record um our friend mark fain who's from the same town that tammy's from in east tennessee is playing bass on it and um it's for me it's i've been working with mark for such a long time it's hard for me to imagine playing 
having somebody else play bass because it's just I feel so strongly connected to his sense of timing and, and his tone and all that. And then our friend uh, Justin Moses is playing banjo and, and dobro on this record, and he's uh, the three-time dobro player of the year for the IBMA and just an incredible musician, an incredible singer, fiddle player, guitar player, mandolin player, dobro player, banjo player, upright bass player. He's disgustingly talented. And I'm going to hate him. You yeah. just have to put up with him. But he's, he's an amazing guy. He was just out touring with Bela, um, yes. his yes. new album, and and Ned uh, Luberecki was saying it was ridiculous to watch him pick up the fiddle one moment, and then the banjo, and then the dobro, and do them all so perfectly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've had the good fortune to spend some time with Justin going track by track through his album, and then also when he and Sierra are out touring, so incredible artist. Two, two oh. of my favorite two of my favorite people and I, I was fortunate to be the groomsman one of the groomsmen at their wedding but uh-huh. uh, I love those guys so much they're like family to me well we are going track by track through this new album Shirley will be singing and we're coming up to long gone Tammy you want to tell us about that one um I think that's one of those titles that maybe Tom had and again, he definitely has an affinity for um, railroads and songs about railroads, and we've written a handful of them. So um, I, I think I think that's kind of where that one came from, and definitely one that when we were deciding which songs, oh, we should you know have a more fuller sound on that. I mean. That one, quite honestly, is kind of hard for us to pull off live when it's just the two of us because the banjo, you know, and the bass are so integral to the sound of that track, you know, the the drive of it. Um, so it's really fun to get to play something like that, too. Well, that brings up a question I have. When you are writing, do you have the instrumentation in mind already or is it lyrics first? And then we can figure out what instruments will support it. Um, most of the time we finish uh, the lyrics and then we go like, what does this sound like? But every once in a while we'll start something from a from a riff or from a from a, an instrumental idea. And that's just because we're both um, instrumentalists, uh, not first, but we started out as instrumentalists before we became um, songwriters. So for us, it usually works like that. We finish the, the, the lyrics and then we look for the music. Well, let's give a listen. Long Gone from the new album. Shirley will be singing with Tammy Rogers and Tom Yutz. Well, she's coming in the station now. You've got no time to lose. If your mind ain't made up yet, now's the time to make a move. She'll be gone. Long gone. You can't blame her for it cause she's made you fly away She'll be in Baltimore by morning when you wake up to the day She'll be gone, long gone, long gone, long gone, long
said she loved you too Now she's standing on the platform Hey, what you gonna do? She'll be gone, long gone The rhythm of the wheels is moving in her soul Life of this old mountain boy ain't enough to hold her She'll be gone, long gone, long gone, long gone Shirley will be singing that was long gone from Tammy Rogers and Tom Yutz. And Tom, before that, you talked about being instrumentalist first. And I'm curious, you know, for those who are learning their instruments, but also songwriting, it sounds like you should really treat each of them equally. You don't want to, you know, focus too heavily on one. You really want to support them both as you're, learning yeah i think so i mean you know i i i know that uh you know i have to practice my instrument um as much as i can unfortunately i don't always have as much time for that these days as i would like to but i make sure that i spend an hour to two with my guitar every day and i also need to spend time with my songwriting every day some days that means sitting down at a desk and writing a full song. Some days it's, like I said, three, four, three to four days a week it's co-writing. And sometimes it just means going for a walk. And very often for me, it means reading books and following or looking at images and, and letting those images uh, find their way into my subconscious and then trying to and then writing based on, on that. So um, Tammy said before that you have to pay attention as a songwriter and if you want to put it in a nutshell that's really the, the job description of a songwriter to constantly pay attention to what's going on around you and and um, I think I've gotten better with that over the years and uh, it's a, you know it's a lifelong journey it never stops and the same with, with your instrument you know sometimes you have to work on the older I get the more I have to work on keeping a certain level of technical proficiency but at the same time I also feel more compelled to work on the tonal expression of my playing and so it's it will never stop you know if you're uh and that's the, that's the good thing about it sometimes it'll can it can drive you a little crazy to 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 think about that but uh 
but most of the time it's a, it's a it's a wonderful challenge to to try to live up to every day yeah i i feel exactly the same way you know um the the paying attention part you know i talk about you know violin doesn't have frets or the fiddle doesn't have frets so you can't ever let go is is the way i i i describe it you can't ever let go of listening so unbelievably intensely to your intonation to your tone to your timing you just can't you know and if there is a point in the future you know where i get to the place where i let go then i'm i'm probably not going to be playing much anymore <laughs> because it just you know that's that's how you keep that super high level of of proficiency you know it's kind of that that razor sharp focus if you will or at least for me you know and and i i can't um i can't allow myself to not approach it that way now in talking to some songwriters they do keep an instrument near them. So as they're writing, they might pick it up and strum along. Do you do that? Or during oh, yeah. your songwriting times, do you? Yeah. And, and lots of times, you know, um, to me, words will imply a rhythm. The, the um, you know, just the, the way words are, are said, you know, that there's a certain cadence, if you will, to words. So I'm listening very closely when Tom and I are writing to, to how, how the words that we're putting together kind of fall. So I'm listening as a musician and those things imply, oh, maybe this should be waltz. Maybe this should be six, eight, maybe this should be four, four, you know, those types of things. So yes, I almost always have, I, I write most of the time with the mandolin. Um, even though a lot of people don't think, me and mandolin per se. I, I don't play mandolin with steel drivers at all, <laughs> but it's, it's become the instrument that I'm most comfortable writing on because I can play melodies and chords. Um, so it's a little more flexible in that regard for me than trying to write on a violin. But um, so, so all of it kind of plays together. So I'm definitely listening for how, how words come together, phrase link, things like that. And and while we're writing, you know, I may say something like, hey, this this feels like it would be a cool uh, Leuven Brothers thing, or this feels like it might lend itself to being like a Carter family thing. And Tom immediately gets those references and knows where I'm, you know, where my head's at musically with stuff. So that that's a big part of how we write as well. Well, we are going track by track through this new album. Shirley will be singing out now on Mountain Fever with Tammy Rogers and Tom Yutz, and we're coming up to Mountain Angel. Yeah, that's another one that definitely was was influenced by John Ely's book, The Landbreakers, where uh, Mooney Wright is uh, is taking his he's an Irish immigrant. He's taking his his new wife, who's also an Irish immigrant, uh, to Western North Carolina in the 1740s, and they build a cabin and they clear some land, and she falls ill and and dies the first winter they're up there, and he almost loses his mind alone, alone on that mountain with nobody around, no neighbors. His wife just died. She was pregnant. The child died with her. And, and so this song is sort of a little bit of a meditation on how he must have felt seeing uh, like visions of her through that winter. And, and I, I highly recommend John Ely's books to anybody who's interested in Appalachian history. And the spelling on that last name? E-H-L-E. 
John Ailey. Great. Well, let's give it a listen. Mountain Angel from the new album. Shirley will be singing out now on Mountain Fever. Mountain Angel, Mountain Angel, so near and yet so far. She's out in the meadow, she walks in the morn. Before the night's over and the day not yet born. Talks to the stars, she belongs to the sky. She sings like a thrush all through the night. Mountain angel, mountain angel, so near and yet so far. Shirley will be singing. That was Mountain Angel. And we're going through each of the tracks on this new album with Tammy Rogers and Tom Yutz. And Tammy, you talked about the Steel Drivers. You're out there touring again after a little respite from the world. What's it been like getting back out on the road like that? Um, you know, it's it's been um, very interesting. Um, in, in many ways, it's been extremely joyful, just the sheer joy of, of playing live music again has been um, amazing, you know, and, and I think that it's kind of uh, the, the realization that, wow, we've missed this. This is important. This is important to us. This is important to others has, has been very rejuvenating in, in many respects. Um, you know, I, I won't downplay that it's been very difficult in other ways. Um, you know, traveling is not easy 
through through this past fall and winter, you know, when numbers were really moving upwards, um, you know, it's 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 not easy to to travel and fly and and have to wear masks and you know for hours and hours and on end. And then you know, different different cities have different policies regarding their COVID um, protocols. And we've tried to be very respectful. You know, it's it's kind of a hot topic with some some people, and we certainly have fans that that have voiced their appreciation for protocols, and other fans who've expressed their displeasure at the protocols. So you're not going to make anybody happy, and you know, and I hope that at the end of the day, people realize that we're just trying to make a living and trying to do the best that we can, and and do it in a safe manner for ourselves and for people that, that choose to come out to the shows. So um, yeah, that, that's kind of my take on it. And you and Tom have gotten a chance to get out there and tour behind this album a bit. Tom, what has that been like? Oh, it's so much fun. I mean, I've been, I've been so looking forward to being in front of an audience again and playing and, you know, the duo format is an interesting, is an interesting way of playing music. Uh, people, I think a lot of people think that it, sort of uh, narrows the, the dynamic range a little bit because one person has to hold it all down and one person can only one person can solo and fill and all these things. But I actually think it's the other way around. I think that 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 really small group opens the the performances for much to a much wider dynamic range. And and Tammy and I sing together really well, I think. And we're both good players. Uh, Tammy, a much better player than I am, but we can both play around each other, and we're not losing. We're not losing each other. We know we don't necessarily need anybody to hold it down. We can both take off and meet again, sort of. And so it's been just wonderful to be out playing again and, and start this start my way of easing back into the world of performance with with Tammy. It's great. Nothing but fun. I was chatting the other day with Norwegian fiddler Olaf Mjölva, who plays with all these different groups, and he's just put out a new solo album. And what I love is he had recorded a number of tunes that he had performed with others, but it was the first time when it was just him. Mm. And so there's so many different in interpretations you can hear on the same piece, depending on how it's played and with whom. Well, we're going through this new album. Shirley will be singing with Tom Yutz and Tammy Rogers, and we're coming up to a writer's tear. Yeah, that's a tune um, that um, I really love because it really speaks to the process of writing, not just songs, but um, I'm a big fan of Mary Oliver and, um, and Tom, you know, reads a bunch as well. And so it you know we feel a certain kinship with with those writers not just um songwriters so um so that's kind of how that 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 came to be that song but you know as a little aside i think um i think there was a bottle of whiskey that was involved um somewhere along the line what is it writer's tear uh, whiskey so it's an, it's an irish whiskey yes an irish called whiskey. Riders, riders here and we decided that would be a good a good uh title for a song title. then we we dragged all these other writers mary oliver and and emily dickinson and hank williams and all those people into our little bottle of whiskey idea then 
<laughs> well, when the two of you do your Irish tour, hopefully you'll get a sponsor out of it. So, Oh, hey, there's an idea. <laughs> I love it. Well, let's give it a listen. A Writer's Tear from the new album. Shirley will be singing from Tammy Rogers and Tom Yutz out now on Mountain Fever. Dead at 29 From the dark back of that cannon They stood the test of time Who hasn't felt too lonesome To even sing or cry Who hasn't felt the joyfulness When you see the light Any given page or line Like something you can touch Helps my heart to open wide When the world's too much Darkness falls, despair is near We hang our hopes on a rider's team Wings for troubled mind Each time I read her book She takes me to a meadow Or sits me by a brook Emily and Mary so many others too I'm sure that there's a point To do the same for you Any given page or line Like something you can touch Helps my heart to open wide When the world's too much Darkness falls, despair is near We hang our hopes Riders tears Take my pen to paper In these troubled days Sometimes don't even notice A teardrop on the page Any given page or line Like something you can touch It helps my heart to open wide When the world's too much When the darkness falls Despair is near We hang our hopes Riders too when darkness falls, despair is near, we hang our hopes on a rider's tear. From the new album, a rather Shirley will be singing. That was a writer's tear from Tammy Rogers and Tom Yutz. And we're going through each of the tracks on this. And Tom, we've talked a few times about your love of trains. I'm curious, of course, the, the German train system is, I will, I don't think it's too controversial to say, is a lot better than the American one. Did, did you find yourself doing much train traveling when you got to the U.S.? 
No, I have not. I've not traveled by train. I played a gig in Colorado a couple of times where you take a narrow gauge train up to La Vida Pass and there's a solar powered stage up there and you play up there. I did that once with twice actually with Peter and Eric and I did it once with Nancy and that was an incredible experience. Actually the club car of that of that that, that you that the artists uh, ride in on that um at that gig is the club car that Stevie Goodman wrote City of New Orleans in. And so it's like there's a little piece of American railroad history. And you know, railroad buffs, which I'm compared to real railroad buffs, I'm not, are crazy. I mean, they know everything about railroads, like like guitar nerds do about guitars. But I will say this, I think when whenever I go back to Europe and visit my folks or go to Ireland and England, I love traveling by train. I find it a very elegant way of getting from A to B and a very relaxing way to getting from, from A to B compared to driving, you know, and uh, anyway, yeah, I, I, I don't miss much about Europe, but if I'd say, or anything really, but riding uh, on trains is certainly something that I, that I wish we could do a little more, but, you know, let's see what this infrastructure bill does. Maybe we can ride a train from Nashville to Washington pretty soon. Well, we've got a songwriter just over the mountain, Scott Miller, who wrote a song and got Amtrak to back him. So as he was oh. touring behind that album, he had Amtrak, you know, giving him all of his accommodations as he went all over the country. So wow, that's yeah. nice. I'd like to tour like that. That'd be great. Well, we're going track by track through this new album. Shirley will be singing, and we're coming up to Speakeasy Blues. Yeah, this is this is a funny one. Um, so there's a book by a wonderful, wonderful North Carolina writer uh, called Terry Roberts. And, and Terry and I have become pretty good friends uh, over the years. And he wrote a book called The Holy Ghost Speakeasy and Revival. And it's about a renegade preacher called Jedediah Robbins who uh, has his own train and he has a circus tent and he goes all around North Carolina and um, picks up all these renegade uh, roustabouts and roughnecks and whatever uh, on the way, and they all become become a part of his little of his group of his entourage. And if you read it subsurface a little bit, it's almost like he's uh, the parallel to Jesus uh, assembling twelve apostles. And it's an incredible book. And at the same time, that the preacher in the book is selling bootleg whiskey out of the train, but he also sells Bibles. And it's a wonderful book. I just literally just finished it last night for the second time because I just felt I wanted to read it again. And so it's called The Speakeasy Blues. And, and uh, I, I was done with the book and I gave it to Tammy and she loved it. And we both thought that uh, Speakeasy Blues would be a good title of a song for a song. And it's sort of centered uh, during Prohibition, which is also in the book place. And, you know, everybody has a speakeasy blues of the preacher on the corner, the girls who want to go dancing on Friday night. And then a relative of Tammy's called Uncle Junior found his way in this song too. And so as you can maybe uh, gather at this point, I, in my mind, I live in the 1920s a lot. And sometimes I say I, I would love to have lived in the 1920s, but only with antibiotics. <laughs> and, uh, but it's yeah. a, the images and the energy from that time are something that really inspires me musically. If you think about the Bristol sessions, the Knoxville sessions, and the Johnson City sessions, but also if you think about all the what at the time were called race records, all the great blues records that that uh, came out of the twenties and thirties, and obviously if you think all 
but all the great literature, Scott Fitzgerald and, and Hemingway that came, and so many more that came out of the 20s. So it's just a time of great change, a time of great energy and youthful spirit and America rediscovering itself after a world war and all of that. So I'm, I'm fascinated with this stuff and that's what this song is about. Well, let's give it a listen. Speakeasy Blues from the new album. Surely we'll be singing out now on Mountain Fever as we continue our track by track with Tammy Rogers and Tom Yutz. There's a preacher on the corner. You know he feels it too. He never would admit it, but he's got the speakeasy blues. Single girls in fancy dresses putting on their dancing shoes. When the sun goes down on Friday, they all got the speakeasy blues. Drinking wet, that's what folks around here do. The sheriff gets elected, but you know he's got the speakeasy blues. Pouring out the liquor in the year of 22. Don't you know those revenuers had him too? The speakeasy blues. he's supposed to do a man needs a dram when he's got the speakeasy blues there's a coil that's made of copper making 140 proof uncle junior by the fire with the old speakeasy blues That was Speakeasy Blues from the new album, Surely We'll Be Singing, out now on Mountain Fever. And we're coming up on one now that, contrary to what Rob Lowe and Demi Moore told me, is not based on their 80s movie about last night. Exactly. You know, um, that that phrase, you know, um, I think I had written that down. And, I mean, it's just something that 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 you read, you know, or, you know, was a movie or what have you. Um, you know, to me, I thought it was interesting to write it as a conversation between two people. And, and sometimes, you know, I, I am writerly enough interested in, in, you know, writing sometimes just the mechanics or the, the way you craft something that, 
that's enough interest for me to say, hey, let's write this this way um, and just see how it turns out. And that's kind of what that how that song was, at least for me, you know, in that title and thinking of, you know, more a country type of song language wise and musically. Um, so that's kind of how that that came to be. Let's give a listen about last night. From Tammy Rogers and Tom Yutz's new album, Shirley Will Be Singing. About last night Do you think we went one step too far? Should we have stayed and talked just sitting at that bar? Wasn't just the music and the candlelight About last night Something made me reach and touch your hand It may sound strange but I ain't one for one night stands And in my wildest dreams I didn't think About last night Standing in the cold gray light of dawn You may think that what we did was wrong But to me it all just felt so right And I really wouldn't change a thing About last night About last night what we're gonna do now that it's done Take a step back, turn around and run I'm looking for the answer in your eyes About last night Standing in the cold gray light of dawn think that what we did was wrong But to me it all just felt so right And I really wouldn't change a single thing About last night About last night From the new album, Shirley will be singing out now on Mountain Fever. That was about last night. Well, the two of you have talked about your songwriting, and I know that a lot of songwriters, of course, you two are so busy as musicians, are 
also known to lead or be part of songwriting camps uh, once or twice during the year. Have either of you gotten into that, attending any camps and actually being one of the instructors? Well, um, I'm I'm going to do a, a couple this year, and, and Tammy and I are going to do Tin Pan South here uh, in a couple of weeks, which is a songwriters festival in Nashville. But I'm also a, a two days a week. I'm an instructor of, in the songwriting department at Belmont University in Nashville, so I I talk about songwriting quite a bit, and I listen to a lot of songs by young songwriters and try to help them to express themselves in a not I wouldn't say better, but in a way that might offer a new some a different perspective on what on on theirs. And it's a very joyful thing to be around young writers and people who dedicate their lives to the written word and and writing melodies and all that kind of stuff so um yeah that's what i do two days a week and it's and it's it's good fun to do that and I, I never thought that a guy like me would end up in academia but i don't know somebody thought it might be a good idea so here i am doing it i i know that there's a young group the arcadian wild that are out touring that all came out of belmont don't know if you ran into them or not i don't think i have that may have been before my time Okay. And Tammy, how about you? Have you, we, Tom mentioned that the two of you will be doing one together, but with your hectic schedule with the steel drivers, are you able to find time to ever lead? Uh, the, these days, not very much, to be honest with you. Um, and um, when I have gotten into teaching or doing camps, it's been more from fiddle playing perspective. Um, I haven't ever been asked to teach a songwriting class, if you will. I think, I think it would be fun. I think it'd be interesting, but, um, but no, at, at this point in my life, I'm, I'm pretty well, um, you know, my, my calendar's busy when it comes yeah. to, you know, setting aside a whole week to teach at a camp or anything like that. So I miss it. I, I certainly miss that energy. And um, I love the mentoring. Um, I taught at Belmont as well as an adjunct for about 15 years. Um, but again, the last three or four years, just kind of shifted back to more, you know, my own personal songwriting and, and performing and touring. Well, as you are both such accomplished instrumentalists, I know most fiddlers just carry one fiddle with them when they're on tour or is that either it's a four or five string. Uh, Tammy, do you normally just have one fiddle with you when you're out touring? With the steel drivers? Yes. But, um, when Tom and I have gone out and done shows, I've got this really great um, fiddle that I put octave strings on. And actually that's perfect leading to five more winners to come. I think I did on that track and I certainly used it all around my cabin door as a big sound um, part of the, the soundscape of those tracks. So I, I travel with, with both those and with the mandolin when Tom and I do our duo stuff. And Tom, how about you? How many guitars do you normally take with you when you're out touring? Uh, it depends. When I'm with Peter and Eric, just one. With uh, When Tammy and I go out, I take two. One is a little more, um, lends itself a little more to finger-picking stuff, and one is a more traditional D18, dreadnought-style guitar. But, you know, you can never have too many guitars, and I, I have quite a few, and Tammy and her husband, Jeff, have quite a few, too. I think between the two of us, we could make a fairly nice mid-size guitar store and yeah. uh, it never it never stops you always want different ones or uh it's not so much about wanting more and we're all you know 
recording we're all studio players and all that so every i don't just buy guitars for the hell of it they they all have a job and they're all a tool and they all have a specific voice and it's i'm fascinated with things like fiddles and guitars because that those designs have not changed over a long long time the basic designs at least and then they're perfect and they're held together by nothing but but uh a little bit of glue and and that's it and the craftsmanship that goes into something like that just blows my mind and so i take it very i uh, i take it very seriously when i pick up a guitar it's it, it means a lot to me and it feels good and it's a way that i it feels good to hold a guitar it's the way i i've seen myself since i was 11 years old and i and i i value that greatly so it's uh, it's great fun guitars are fun and tammy I suspect I know the answer, but how many fiddles do you have? I can't imagine it's that many. If you're like most fiddlers, um, no, it's really not. You know, I I have more guitars and mandolins than I do fiddles, which is really weird. But um, yeah, I have my main one that's nicknamed the banjo killer because it's so loud. <laughs> and um, Richard Bailey gave it that name, by the way. And then I have the one that I keep strung up with the octave strings. And then I have a viola that's really lovely. And then I actually have a Norwegian hardanger fiddle. Oh, wow. Um, which is super fun. I don't play it a whole lot because I keep it tuned in open tuning. So it's a little specific that way. Um, and then I have a Baroque reproduction violin, which I keep strung up with gut strings, which is, again, a very specific sound and usage. And and I, and then I have one more that is still currently in the Country Music Hall of Fame in the Station Inn exhibit um, displayed down there. It's the fiddle that I used in the early days of the Steel Drivers, and all through kind of my country career, if you will, has a pickup on it. And it's a it's a really nice fiddle too. But um, but yeah, that's it. That's my that's my full full arsenal, if you will. Well. You talked about this next tune in this last conversation, so let's get into Five Winners More to Come. Tell us about it. Um, I, I read an article in, an, in a magazine about Appalachia. I can't remember what it's called, if it was Appalachia Now or something like that. And um, People had five winners in Appalachia, Dogwood winner, uh, whatever else is, is, is in, in the song, and it was... You know, just it's an old folklore thing, you know, don't let your guard down. There's another one coming and there's another frost coming. And so we just picked up on that and, and wrote this tune. Let's give a listen. Five winners more to come here as we do this with March on the Precipice. So hopefully the number of winners is winding down. You think that it's behind us now, old man winners too. Don't let your guard down or five winners more to come. Red bud winter will be first when the apples start to bloom. A few days late in March, watch it coming soon. Wait another fortnight, there'll come another chill. Dogwood winter's on the way, coming to the hills. You think that it's behind us now, old man winter's done. Don't let your car down early, 
we winners more come. From the new album, Shirley will be singing out now on Mountain Fever. That's Tammy Rogers and Tom Yutz doing five winners. More to come. Well, we're continuing our track by track of this new album. And at this point, I'm curious, what's the oldest song on the album and what's the newest one? That's hard to say. Wow. I don't really know. On your own might be one of the older ones, and surely we'll be singing. Surely we'll be singing. Might be the newest one. Yeah, there ain't enough time. Is kind of an older one too. Yeah, yeah. I could, I could theoretically find out if I dig into my computer and look at the timestamp, but that's I don't know. I don't know. Well, you mentioned that there ain't enough time, so tell us about that one. Uh, that's probably one of our favorites on the record. It's uh, it's a real traditional sounding six eight time thing, and it's a song about you know um, somebody grieving over the loss of a lover or um, a relative or whatever. It's it's not about anything specific as much as it's a meditation over a meditation on loss, and. Um, it's fun to sing because we sing it as a duet all the way through. And then Justin Moses plays an incredible dobro solo on it. So, you know, the beauty of things like the beauty of this, this genre of bluegrass and old time country music is that you don't always have to be so linear, you know, I mean, you can listen to songs like 
worried man blues and there's there's not necessarily a linear story with a beginning a, a climax and an end it's sort of like it goes from here to there and you go like what what happened and and this song is a little bit like that tammy anything you want to say before we give it a listen oh it, tom's right i think it is it may be my favorite song on the album just there's such an emotional quality to this particular track and you know what the lyric says you know the melody the music everything about it just really um gets to me personally and you know i'm a huge fan you know my my formative years in bluegrass were in the 70s you know as a little kid listening to jd crow in the new south with you know the 75 album that that's kind of a big touchstone for me so um i always kind of hear that sound sonically when we do this song and I know for my, my personally, when we were working on the track, you know, I added the, the twin fiddles and it just really reminded me of some of the parts that, that Ricky Skaggs played, you know, on, on some of those tracks and, you know, the Dobro just, I don't know. It, it's just a real touchstone for me. So that, you know, other people might hear the song and not get that, but I know for me, that's kind of where I'm in my headspace when I hear it. Well, let's give a listen. There ain't enough time from the new album. Shirley will be singing out now on mountain fever featuring Tammy Rogers and Tom Yutz and listen for that Dobro solo from Justin Moses. Thank you. 
time from the new album Shirley will be singing out now on Mountain Fever with Tammy Rogers and Tom Yutz and we're coming up to a title that well gosh gosh there have been so many folk tales written around the tree of life and songs that it's always nice to see a new one and tell us about this one yes um this is a this is an interesting song to me it started with um I I I'm a big fan of Joseph Campbell's writing on mythology, and I remember reading um, reading it, his in, about his interpretation of the cross, how it is um, a, a part of, or the and how the cross is the tree of life, and how it is a part, an integral part of so many different mythologies, and how it is a representation of our lives as we aspire to grow as as persons, as individuals, but also and a representation of of our our lives going through time. So it's a it's a uh, there's a horizontal and a vertical movement there, which the cross stands for. And then obviously there's the image of the Buddha finding enlightenment under the Bodhi tree, and the image of the the tree in in the in the Garden of Eden through which sin enters the world, and then the cross through which sin leaves the world. And so there's so much to think about there and such an incredibly uh, a complex symbol and that's sort of what this song is about and we're trying to we try to write this in a very simple way in a very traditional way of using language which it, to me is is really something is something that's a lot of fun when you're writing old older sounding music and especially writing older sounding gospel music using the beautiful language of the of the King James Bible or at least language that's inspired by that and I think often people make the mistake of 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 ignoring the poetic aspect of that let's give a listen the tree of life from the new album Shirley will be singing with Tammy Rogers and Tom Yutz out now on mountain fever When 
tree of life is there for showing where we're from and why we're here. The tree of life is ever The new album, Shirley Will Be Singing, that's the penultimate song, The Tree of Life, with Tammy Rogers and Tom Yutz. And we are coming up on that final track, The Door. And before you show me the door, tell me about <laughs> this one. Um, well, I lost my mom about four and a half years ago to dementia. And, um, you know, just in that whole process, you become very... Um, aware of how many other people in the world are being touched by um, family members that suffer with dementia or Alzheimer's. And, um, you know, it's, it's dreadful, you know, it really robs not only the person that, that is suffering, you know, with dementia of their memories, but it's so hard on the, the people around them, the family members, the friends that, that are seeing this process, you know, I kind of look at it as an unraveling in a way. Um, and I, I had quite honestly, a, another friend had posted something about losing a parent that way and their experience with the, the, the nurse at the hospital saying, you know, I guess they were wondering, you know, why they were lingering so long and, and when they finally passed and nurse said, you know, they finally found the door. And, you know, that really stuck with me, that whole image. Um, again, as we talk about songwriting, it's about, you know, paying attention. And, and that really, you know, moved me. And I remember sharing it, sharing it with Tom. And, um, you know, I don't know that he's had an experience with that yet. Um, his parents are both still still living and I think doing pretty well. But um, 
you know, he, he definitely took what I was experiencing and, you know, and sometimes I think it's nice to not make a song so incredibly autobiographical that it's painful to sing it. And I appreciate the fact that he did that, you know, in this particular song that the singer is talking about, you know, she's confusing, you know, me and my brother. And I, and I'm glad that he was willing to sing that. And it wasn't about me and my sister. <laughs> um, you know, I, I did share the fact that, that my mom, um, I walked in, she, she stayed pretty lucid, at least with us almost until the very end. She confused me with one of her sisters a time or two and started confusing my younger brother with one of her younger brothers. But, um, I'm, I'm so thankful that, that for the most part, she, she knew us up until the end, but, um, anyways, so that's kind of where that song came from. Well, let's give it a listen. The door. From Tammy Rogers and Tom Yotes' new album, Shirley Will Be Singing. In the final hours, I came and sat with her. We said all that we had to say, so we didn't say. Time had come for letting go She was hanging on Cause even when the body's weak The will can still be strong Didn't understand what she was waiting for Now I know that she was looking for the door daily thing Getting lost and losing keys A misplaced wedding ring And over time she did Call me by my name She thought I was my brother But to her it was the same I didn't understand what she was waiting for Sat for hours only looking at the door Some time to see what she was waiting for 
The final track on the album, Shirley will be singing with Tammy Rogers and Tom Yutz out now on Mountain Fever. Well, before I let you two go, a question that sometimes gets blown back in my face. I asked Oliver Craven of the group The Stray Birds once, so you've got this new album out. What's next? And he said, gosh, it's only been out for six weeks. Let <laughs> us enjoy this. What's coming up for the two of you next? Well, well writing more ahead. songs. Write more songs. And Tom? Um, well, you, we're, we're going to certainly write more. We are going to travel a little more behind this record, play a couple more uh, shows to promote it. And also we're talking about making another record uh, that might be even more stripped down, more old-timey. So we're going to start doing that here. There's no shortage of, of plans to make music. Or this, and also I don't have any other options. I'm not good at anything other than making music. So I'll, <laughs> I'll keep doing it for better or worse. And I love it. Well, I hope when that time comes that it's out that maybe you'll find time to sit down with us and go through another track by track of that album. But Absolutely. thank you both so much. Thank you. Anytime, anytime, Peter. And we look forward to coming up and playing your your show in Charlottesville sometime. Yeah. Our stage is always open to you both. So until thank then, you. take care.